0: Spencer Steer is finally here. So what's his deal anyway? I'll tell you why he could be a key contributor for this Reds lineup in the very near future. And we'll pay some respects on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr. My co-host, Stephen Offenbaker, is out for the rest of the week, so it's just you and me. I am a lifelong fan, really an addict of the Cincinnati Reds, and I've turned an addiction into information for you as we head down the home stretch of this, my fourth season, bringing you daily Reds content. As on the Locked On Reds podcast, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available on all platforms on today's podcast. I want to pay some respects to a couple of, well, we'll actually call them Cardinals because they've had amazing careers. And I think that that needs to be celebrated. We'll talk about the craziness of last night's game that lasted near on five hours, and I'll give you a statistic as the the perfect explainer as to why the reds lost that game. And no, it's not their uh, batting average with runners in scoring position, but I wanted to start first with the big news of the day, something we had speculated on for a while now, and that is it's September. So here comes Spencer steer. He got the call and it was reported early Thursday morning. C. Trent Rosecrans tweeted it out that he was getting the call up. Absolutely excited to see this dude in the reds clubhouse ever since he was acquired. From the Minnesota Twins for Tyler Malley, he and uh, uh, Stephen Hajar and Christian Incarnacion Strand are all very exciting prospects. But Steer was the closest of the three to the major leagues. And we said, boy, he could be here right now. What you're going to get with Spencer Steer, let's take a look at what we can expect. He can hit good contact and he has power that's continuing to develop. He's not exactly a power first guy. He does a lot of good contact kind of thing. The way that people are describing him, the way that I read about him kind of reminds me of how people describe the way that Donovan Solano hits. Yeah, he's probably going to hit a couple of home runs, but you're going to get a lot of solid line drives off the bat of Spencer Steer. And he also has great positional flexibility, which we'll get into in just a moment. But with this, with this bat that he has really seems to me like he could be a good six or seven hitter for the Reds in their lineup. And that's probably even as early as next year. I mean, even next year, he might be their fifth hitter. But when they're good, you know, when you've got, like, Ellie De La Cruz probably coming up batting third or second or something like that, and you've got Noel V. Marte coming up batting second or third, and you have India batting leadoff, Stevenson batting fourth, probably see, I don't know, maybe Spencer bats fifth. I don't think he's a top-four guy but 5th, 6th, 7th, they're in that range. He's got that kind of profile at the plate. Plus, he does good with the strikeouts. He's not amazing at him. It's not as if he's like all world at limiting the strikeouts, but he's right around league average, or at least that's what his numbers are in AAA. We'll have to see if that uh, translates up. But very good hitter, puts the bat on the ball, and he's going to drive it to all fields. Needs to be in the lineup every day. I mean let's go ahead and put that out there i think you knew i was going to say that but if you didn't know i was going to say that spencer steer coming up needs to be in the lineup every day because he has a shot to be in this lineup whenever the reds are actually good again in a couple of years and with that not only this isn't like a sink or swim situation but with him being in the major leagues he absolutely needs to be playing every day there's no reason to leave him in a platoon or to put him on the bench. That's where the Reds have gotten into trouble with some of these guys that they've developed. They've called him up and they've sat on the bench, doing them no favors whatsoever. Spencer Steer needs to play every day. And what that looks like, this is where the positional flexibility comes in. He's got a decent arm. In fact, he was drafted as a second baseman. So it's not as if they—you know scouts don't believe in his glove. They think he has a pretty decent glove. And at least according to baseball America, all of his tools rate at 50 or 55. So they believe that he can be an average to slightly above average major league player. And I like that. That's good. You need lots of guys on your team that are like that. Not everybody's going to be a superstar, but you do need, I mean, we see that with the Cardinals every time we play them there there's guys all like Paul Young. Paul Young has had a terrible year, but it feels like anytime he comes to the plate against the reds, he has a shot of hitting home run just because he's a solid major league player not because you know, he doesn't, not everybody's a superstar. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. Spencer Steer has the ability to play everywhere. He's kind of primarily a second baseman, but I could see the reds sticking him at third and then maybe moving Kyle Farmer to first, or if they're really that enamored with farmers defense at third, which honestly it's been very good. I I kind of could see that leave farmer at third and play steer at first. The point is, I don't want there to be a situation where we have Jose Barrero and Colin Moran in the same lineup. That just doesn't make sense. If if you want to pinch hit Colin Moran in in, in a late game situation against a right-handed pitcher, fine. Do that. Don't start. I I, I don't, I don't like that at all. Put Spencer steer in this lineup every day. However, that is. And the fact that they've played him at some corner outfield spots is interesting as well. We could see him a little bit in right field or left field or something like that. But overall, the name of the game is going to be get Spencer Steer's bat in the lineup. Now that he's called up, he's not been called up to sit on the bench and boy, oh boy, how you doing? What kind of sunflower seeds do you want? This isn't what we're talking about. That's what I did in high school. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that with Spencer Steer. He's going to play every day. And I'm very excited to see that. There's also another call up. Of course you get, two spots now on the roster when rosters expanded September, instead of, you know, what it used to be expanding to the 40 man roster. And he had a whole bunch of dudes called up. This dude is interesting. It's a, it's an interesting story for me. Cause I had to look it up because I did not know who Fernando Cruz was, but the reds called up Fernando Cruz. He was drafted in the sixth round in 2007 by the Royals. Yes, he was 32 years old. He is making his major league debut in his next appearance. He's never pitched in the major leagues. He spent multiple stints out of baseball in between 2007 and now. In fact, he last pitched in the Mexican league in 2018 and then nothing else until he showed up in Louisville this year. And it's been interesting too because he's pitched in 51 games for Louisville and he has seen the kind of uptick in his strikeout numbers that he's never seen the rest of his entire career. Has he gone through a renaissance? Maybe. I, I gotta hand it to a dude like this, though. I mean, again, this this is a guy who falls under the category of, you know, he's not on the radar. He's not a guy that we're expecting to have a crazy future with the team, but who knows? What, what can he do? What can he prove to the Reds? in a little bit of time, maybe he can prove that he deserves to be on the roster in 2023. I, I don't necessarily know if that's the case, but it's a cool story to think about a guy who's 32 years old a guy who's my age, making his major league debut. Maybe yeah, there's hope for me yet. Well, difference is he's been pitching in Louisville and I've been talking to you. So that's not going to happen, but I'm looking forward to seeing what Fernando Cruz can do in the reds bullpen. And there's one thing that is clear about Fernando Cruz. He needs more innings the rest of the way than Hunter Strickland. We'll see if that happens. Hunter Strickland pitched last night. Who knows? Anyway, two good guys, two new guys, anyway, who are going to be at Great American Ballpark tomorrow, and I'm very excited to see it, especially to see Spencer Steer. Last night's game was tense, and the Reds had a shot to take the series from those dumb birds. But there was one thing that crippled them, And it wasn't the lack of hitting with runners in scoring position, although that played a role. I'll tell you what crippled them here in just a moment. But first, are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit? It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is, your reaction time slows way down when you're high. You're not only putting yourself in danger, but you put everyone else around you in danger as well. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel of a car. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. Coming up tomorrow, we we'll look ahead to the Rockies coming to town. Paul Holden will join us from Locked On Rockies as we have a series preview crossover. Been doing a lot of series wrap-up crossovers here this season but i'm going to change it up to a preview with paul holden from Locked On rockies make sure you you check that out the best way to not miss that is to make sure you're subscribed on all your favorite podcasting platforms all right looking at last night there's really three things that doom the reds right you know they always say that you know bad things comes in threes or, or something like that um Runners in scoring position. Yeah, they were five for 22. Now it's nice that you had 22 opportunities with dudes and runners in scoring position, but you also didn't take advantage of that. And and there was a lot of crap that was going on in the extra innings where the Reds had base runners, and then they couldn't get the ball out of the infield. Literally, all you needed was a bloop. Because the Cardinals brought in an extra infielder, so they only had two guys in the outfield. Give me a bloop down the line, Reds win. They could not do that. They kept hitting ground balls straight at infielders, and well, outs were had. But for me, there was, there was something else that really got to me as far as what kind of killed the Reds last night. And that was the three, four, five hitters, Kyle Farmer, Donovan Solano, and Alejo Lopez, who bat fifth, which I was happy to see that, but Alejo Lopez did not play well. And neither did Kyle Farmer or Donovan Solano because the three of those guys combined to go one for 16. And they drew just two walks, and they struck out five times. Duds in the middle of the lineup last night absolutely not helping in fact there were a couple of cases before extra innings where you had guys on base and kyle farmer came up and gave you nothing you can't have that if you're gonna win a game you can't have your number three hitter give you nothing he literally had no over six nothing there's nothing And that's what killed it for me. The crazy part about last night, and, and hey, shout out again, Jonathan India keeps it going. 14 games in a row, got his hit, had a couple of hits last night actually. But it's great to see him, like we talked about on yesterday's podcast, he is gritting through this, man. He is absolutely showing the heart of a superstar because he wants to finish the season. Regardless of how he feels and regardless of how the rest of the season has gone, he is going to give you everything he's got today. Of course, today they're off, but Friday, you know, tomorrow he has been phenomenal in the whole gritting it out category. I love to see that. And he continues his hitting streak, but it's just, it's, it's so perplexing to me because the middle of the lineup goes one for 16. The Reds had 14 hits. Ari Aquino had three hits, three singles, mind you putting the ball where the, where the fielders weren't got to give them some credit there. I do know that I'm going to go too far beyond giving him some credit for a good one-game performance. That three-for-three three performance brought his batting average up to a whopping 185. But 14 hits in the game for the Reds, and they lost. The Reds and Cardinals combined, and it wasn't just limited to the Reds. And it was funny because after the game, David Bell was talking about it, and it was just like, how about those pitching performances? Uh, yeah, sure. Sure, the pitching was fine, but... This was a lack of clutch hitting from both teams. They combined the reds and the Cardinals did to strand 32 runners. The Cardinals showed why they're probably going to be a, a national league contender. um, probably a team that can at least make some noise against the Mets and the Dodgers because they can do it with everything, pitching, defense, hitting all that good stuff. Their defense won them that game last night. They, they played great defense but their hitting did them no favors. Everybody was left on base. And then you look at the Reds pitching, and, and yes, they, they did what they needed to do, but I don't think you're going to see like some pitching gurus like breaking down this game in the future. Pitching, I think for the most part, there's a lot of pitchers that are going to be happy to forget this game. But I'll give you a pop quiz. Who was the only Reds relief pitcher to not appear in last night's game? Yes, every single Reds relief pitcher except for one appeared in last night's game. Since I can't hear what you're saying, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Joel Kunell was the only Reds relief pitcher to not appear last night. You had Ian Jabot. You had Art Warren. Art Warren only pitched a third of an inning. Like, looking back on that, David Bell's got to think, hmm, maybe I should have let him pitch a little bit more, but whatever. Art Warren pitched a third of an inning. Buck Farmer, two-thirds of an inning. Hunter Strickland, he pitched a clean inning. Whatever. Alexis Diaz pitched a nice inning. Reaver San Martin had two good innings. And really, that was a gritty performance as well. Derek Law, he pitched another inning, clean inning of baseball. The two guys who gave up runs were Mike Miner and Chase Anderson. Mike Miner actually looked all right. And and I say all right because he was not pitch efficient. He was at 80 pitches by the time he got pulled in the fifth inning. He only went four and a third. So that's not something that I'm looking at here. I'm just like super excited about the fact that, you know, Mike minor only gave up two runs because he didn't go very far into this game. Not that that would have mattered because it's not as if he's hitting, but the way that he was pitching was like just good enough. I think is the best way to describe it. You're not going to be super excited. We're not going to point back at this game and be like, this was the game where Mike minor showed me why he's on the roster. That's not where I'm getting at here is it it was fine you know the the bullpen was fine Ian Jabot it's fine the problem was Chase Anderson again it was his second appearance for the Reds and the second time that he gave up more runs than he got outs or well technically same amount of because he got three yeah so three outs three runs whatever so, yeah, at least there's an improvement there. He gave up as many runs as he got outs. And and actually, only two of them were earned because one of them was a ghost runner. So, there you go. He only gave up two earned runs and got three outs. Progress. Or something. I don't know. I, he's a probable starter coming up in this Rocky series. I don't know if that's going to change after he pitched last night. I thought it was odd, though, because if we really want to break that down, not as if Chase Anderson is the kind of guy that's going to be around, but, look, it, it, the Reds signed this guy to be an innings eater, to be a starter, to be a guy who they could throw for five innings and whatever. In his two appearances, he's thrown a total of three innings. I, I'm not sure what they were expecting. If, if they thought that the extra innings were going to continue last night and they were just like, okay, we'll get multiple innings out of him and continue to stretch him out because they still haven't stretched him out. If he's going to be a starter, who you want stretched out, then maybe stretch him out. I don't know. That seems a little bit too logical. Anyway, yeah, bad, a bad appearance for him. He gave up the game. But ultimately, what killed the Reds in that game was just lack of production from the middle of the order, from the part of the order that's supposed to be the heart of the production. It, but it was one of the more entertaining losses that I can remember. That, that was a very good game. If I were not a fan of either the Reds or the Cardinals, I would have enjoyed that game. But the fact that I was the fan of the losing team, I was like, mm, ah, it's so close, so close to taking a series from those dumb birds. <sighs> anyway, speaking of the dumb birds, I want to give some props. All right. We're, we're going to do a thing where I swallow my fan hatred for one player. I, I, I like Albert pools. I don't like the idea Molina, but I'm going to respect these guys. We're going to show them the respect that they deserve. Um, because last night was the last game we'll see them at great american ballpark i firmly believe that i don't think either one of them's coming back i know people keep asking Ibra pool if you finish with 699 are you coming back he's not coming back yanni or molina's eh, that dude's beat up i mean you, when you play catcher for as long as he has you you get beat up so that was it that's the last time we'll see him at great american ballpark and that was a very good thing you know down why coming up next But first, I wanted to let you know you can follow us uh, on Twitter. In between shows, we, we've got a lot of stuff that we like to talk about on Twitter, whether it be the Reds or other things. You can follow us, or you can follow me at Jeff Carr with three F's. You can follow Steve at S. Offenbaker with two Fs, and you can follow the show at Locked On Reds. Also, make sure you're following us. If if this is your first time watching us on YouTube, thank you. Make sure that you hit the subscribe button and click the bell to get notified, so that whenever we have a new video for you, or when we go live, because whenever Steve is back, that's something we're going to do a little bit more often, especially throughout the off season and things like that. We're going to be here for you every single day, Locked On Reds. You're not going to want to uh, forego clicking the subscribe button. And if you're listening for the first time on your favorite podcasting app, thank you. So much all right let's finish out today uh by you know paying some respects here Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols one of the one of those guys for sure has been more of a nemesis um I mean the first thing when we look back on Yadier Molina we're going to remember the fight with Brandon Phillips that that sparked probably the most epic fight I don't know like yeah, that might be something fun to talk about with Steve this offseason. season. What? Where do you rank the 2010 fight of the Reds and the Cardinals? Let me know in the comments section below. Where do you rank that in Great American Ballpark history? Because of course you have the uh, the two fights with the Pirates as well. Like one, two, three. Where are you rank in those? But that that was just a crazy, crazy fight. And w- when we think of Yadier Molina, that's why we still boo him. Dude's batting like a buck fifty. He still gets booed when he walks up to the plate. Now that's respect. And that's why I'm going to give him a little bit of respect here. Like, not saying I like the guy. Never saying that. But give him some respect and give Pujols some respect, too. Like, when he hit 694 the other night, it just it underscored to me the importance of this whole farewell tour that the Cardinals gave him. And, and he's really seen a renaissance, too. It's not as if they did him a favor. He's been a key member of their lineup. But he – it's funny to see. because So, okay, that home run the other night, I think we – I think we've heard this on the broadcast and things like that. That was his 21st career home run at Great American Ballpark. Now he's done that in 83 games. So that's kind of remarkable to see that sort of a rate of home runs. But when you look at the list, that puts him tied for fourth. Um, And actually there's a couple of active players that are ahead of him. You have Ryan Braun with the most home runs by an opponent at Great American Ballpark with 28. Then you have Lance Berkman with 23. I feel like I saw all 23 of those in like three games. The dude absolutely raked at Great American Ballpark. You have Anthony Rizzo with 22. And now that the Yankees will be here every other year, that's probably going to go up. Albert Pujols and Andrew McCutcheon are both tied for fourth with 21 career home runs. And, and really, Albert Pujols for me, I, it's, it's funny because early on, in um, Joey's career, I felt like there was a conversation to be had between the two of them. In fact, I was vehemently defending Joey Votto in those conversations with my friends who were Cardinals fans. But I definitely feel like the early years of Albert Pujols' career—just you can't touch them, really. He's the best right-handed hitter that I've ever seen. I, I cannot think—I can't think of a better right-handed hitter. There's been so many just majestic lefties, and that's probably because I'm a left handed hitter, so I'm a little bit biased. But when you talk about right handed hitters, like he is the top of the list. And I didn't see guys from way back when, so I'm not, you know, I'm discounting some like all time greats in the history of this game, obviously, because I didn't see them. But for guys that I saw, there's nobody been better than Albert Pujols. He's going to be a first ballot. Like hundred percent unanimous vote Hall of Famer, easy, because his career has been phenomenal. But then let's bring Yadier Molina into this respect discussion, because like I said, I'm gonna respect him. I'm not gonna not gonna hate on him right here. Not not gonna do it. I I like to on a regular basis. For once, I won't, because when you look at Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols, Yadier Molina in a hundred hundred and one career games now at Great American Ballpark. He has a career average of 301. He absolutely loves playing here. He has killed Reds pitching over the numerous years being behind the plate for the Cardinals. And you gotta give him some props for that. In fact, in 83 games for pool holes at Great American Ballpark, he's hit batting 298. Both of them will kind of miss Great American Ballpark. We will not miss them. <laughs> Glad that's over. Get you guys out of here. And it's interesting because I also look at one other stat, and this is a stat that I don't, I don't like to harp on a whole lot. Because when you're talking about RBIs, when you're talking about runs batted in, they're a nice boilerplate number. But when you really dive into what a hitter is, if you include RBIs as to why a guy is a good hitter, that's not the whole. St- you're you're kind of you're kind of like looking at a very nice car, and you're talking about the rims of the car as to why it's a good car. They're nice rims. Every car needs nice rims. If you have ugly rims, it's not a good car. But if you have really nice rims, that doesn't mean that the rest of the car needs to be completely forgotten about. So if you're talking about nice RBIs, totals, that doesn't give me the whole picture. But this is an interesting stat. In, so we said in 101 career games for Yadier Molina, he has 65 RBIs. In 83 career games for pool holes at Great American Ballpark, he has 60 RBIs, both of them in less games played at great American ballpark, have more RBIs than Nixon Zell. Now you're saying, Jeff, okay, sure. He's been playing at the top of the lineup for most of the time. It's not as if he's supposed to be an RBI guy, but this is why the stat is interesting to me. Nixon Zell in his career in 130 some games, I think it was 139 that I saw. I should have wrote that down, but in 130 some career games at great American ballpark has 44 RBIs. Almost, a, it's 21 less than Yadier Molina, almost 20 less than Albert Pujols. And those guys are run-producing hitters. I understand that, but it's just the irony of it to me. It, it's something we've talked about a lot this year. What does Nixon Zell mean to the future of this team? I'm not so sure he's in the future plans of this team anymore, and this is kind of one of those anecdotal stats, kind of a funny thing. But yes, in their careers, Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols, who have played less games at Great American Ballpark, and in Albert Pujols' uh, case, a lot less games than Nixon Zell. They have more RBIs than Nixon Zell does. So there you go. You know, something to wow your friends with. Anyway, when you were talking about Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina playing a great American ballpark, glad that's over. Glad that's over. But, hey, respect to them. Yadier Molina, I think it's a long conversation. I think he ends up getting into the Hall of Fame. I don't necessarily know if I think he's a Hall of Famer, but I also don't have a vote, so there's that. But that's going to wrap us up for this edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for listening. If this is your first time, make sure that you're subscribed. That way you don't miss anything we've got coming for you. Like I said, throughout the rest, it's September. Happy September. I forgot to say that to everybody. Happy September. Happy last full month of the baseball season. And as much as I love baseball and as much as I love watching Reds baseball, a day with Reds baseball is better than a day without Reds baseball. I'm kind of looking forward to putting this season in the rear view, but you can trust that we're going to be here every single day, covering the Reds, even throughout the off season as well. So make sure you're subscribed on tomorrow's podcast. We're going to get ready for the Rockies series with Paul Holden from locked on Rockies. He will join us for a pre-series, Crossover. Thanks for making Lockdown Reds your first listen. Now go check out the ultimate pro football preview for 2022. That's right, next week it's back. Bengals, Steelers. I'm going to be there. I can't wait for the Bengals to just murder the Steelers. And you can get ready for everything NFL in an eight episode extravaganza to get you ready for the season. The local team experts from every single Locked On NFL podcast are joined by Lee Sterling from Locked On Bets, combining everything into one ultimate NFL preview for 2022. Search for the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's been a rough year. And we are now into the home stretch, the final month. There's a couple of games in October, but the final full month of baseball for your Cincinnati Reds. Spencer Steer is here. So is Fernando Cruz. We're going to see what they've got for the future of this team. And I'm going to keep you posted every single day as to what the Cincinnati Reds are doing to make that future successful. Right here on Lockdown Reds, where we are locked on Reds every single day.